And so if I if I mess up, you can edit it out. Yeah. Okay. So no pressure there. Yeah. Don't don't even. If I say I freaking love my church, I think freaking love my church needs to be in there. Though. We're not taking that out. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I do freaking love my church. (laughs) I never envisioned myself where I am today. If you would have told 30-year-old me six years ago that this is where I would be with five kids and three dogs and a crazy house, I would have looked at you like you were crazy. But that is where we are, and it's crazy, and it is good. So our story started about six years ago um, when I met my husband, and at the time, I knew it was a God thing, and I feel like that was the beginning of our story. I was 30, and um, I was working my dream job. I worked at a prom dress store, loved it, loved the the people, the employees, um, and that job was my life. And uh, I came to church every Sunday. I loved Jesus, but I didn't. I didn't really have that connection. You know, I was still doing things that I wanted to do. And then I met Josh, and. You, no one can tell me any differently. It was absolutely a God thing. It was the right time. Um, he had two boys that were three and five at the time, and I just fell in love with them. And we knew within the second day. He knew before I did, but by the second day, <laughs> by the second day, I was convinced that it was it was for the long haul. So we got married. Um, and he asked asked me on the first date. He was like, you know, how do you feel about kids? Do you want kids? And I was like, you know, I don't really know. You know, I'm I'm, I'm open, um, definitely open to his boys. Um, but when we got married, it all worked out. A rocky relationship that he had with his ex-wife, we all mended. We had birthdays together, holidays together, and we were we were a great little family. Um, and then the next milestone came whenever we were at church one Sunday, and Scott was talking about a bedroom he had in his house. So, okay, so imagine me before Josh. I had um, this big house, like 2,600 square feet, me and my little chihuahua. Me and Allie, we did everything together. Um, But there was rooms in my house I didn't go in. So even whenever Josh and I got married and the boys had their room, we still had a room that we just didn't go in. And so one Sunday at church, Pastor Scott said something about a room that he had that he used to have some hunting stuff in, and now it's filled with children. And I'm like, we have a room. And so I felt this little tug. And so I started thinking about it, and then I had heard some things about Project Zero and the call, and I asked Josh, I was like, do you want to go to a foster meeting with the call one night? It's next week. And he was like, yeah, sure. So I'd already been on the Project Zero website and saw those faces. And, you know, I was already on, on board. But I just, you know, we went to this meeting and they talked about fostering. They talked about adopting. They talked about respite. And I looked at him afterwards and I said, so what do you think? And he said, let's do it all. And still, I, it, I, I don't think I ever loved him as much as I did in that moment. <laughs> because it was just... Both of us just having the same thought, the same process. Like, it was a God thing. It was so a God thing. So we signed up, and we had talked about having a child of our own. And, you know, we were like, whatever happens, happens. God has taken us on this path. Um, If we have our own baby, great. If we foster some babies, great. And they even asked us at our foster adopt class, like, are you guys going to foster? Are you going to adopt? And we're like, we don't know. We don't know what we're doing here. But we feel the call, so here we are. Um, so we went through the training, we got opened up, uh, our first placement 
were these two little blonde-haired girls, and I'll never forget it. It was super late at night, and y'all have to think, I didn't, I never had a kid before. So they're like, these children are one and three, and we're at Walmart, and I'm screaming at him the next aisle, do they like bananas? Can they eat bananas? <laughs> and this guy next to me was like, you know, I'm not your husband, right? And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. But do you know what one-year-olds eat? We had these carts filled up, and this this lady, she she brought us these kids. And I was like, okay, we got these kids now, and they're going to be in this room. And she was like, she actually told us, she was a brand-new worker, and she was like, you know, you can adopt these kids. And I was like, what? Seriously? Okay. So we had him, and we're, we're processing all this. And then the next day she called me and she's like, I'm sorry, but we're taking him to another home. And we were devastated. Like, and she was new and we, we should have known better. We were newbies. And so they went to another home and I was like, you know, if that home isn't pre-adopted or if that home needs help, please reach out to them and, and give them my phone number. And that was a rough couple days. Um, but that lady, she'd had them at a previous placement. Her name was Jessica. And so there was another sibling. So there's three of them, one, two, and three ages. Um, we started visiting with them, and we started going over and seeing them and exchanging calls. And a month later, um, so they all three had different dads, and the youngest one was going to go with a family member. And so the older two um, were still in fostering. Jessica was in a pre-adoptive home at the time. And... Um, the baby got sick, and so I was like, you know, we can bring the, the older girls to our house until everybody gets better. And they came to our house, and they never left. <laughs> they never left. Um, and, you know, as in that month that they were at her house, I'll never forget, there's two rugs in my bathroom, that my knees were on that rug mm. so many times, praying to God, please, God, please let us have our babies back. Um, but at the time that was so selfish because I look back and along this journey, I've learned to pray for the things that he has planned, mm. but to give me the guidance to accept those. Um, because whenever you take a step back and you look at your journey, it was in God's timing and it was beautiful. And if I would have just went with it, it would have saved me a whole lot of heartache because I tried to make it what I wanted it to be. But, um, but yeah, we got our girls and they were with us for a few months and then they asked us to adopt them. And then during COVID when everything was so crazy and my store, so the prom dress store along this way, I've bought into it. And so it's my store now and COVID happened and we sell prom dresses and I'm like, how am I going to survive this? All of our girls went, um, got laid off and it was me working the store by myself and we had all these dresses that we couldn't pay for. And I was like, how are we going to survive this? But in the middle of all that, we adopted our girls. And so, in us closing the store for a month, I got to spend time with my kids. I got to spend, spend time with my family, and it was it was amazing. And I will tell you, the boys through all of that, as soon as we told them we were going to foster, they would ask us every single day, "When are we going to get a kid? When are we going to get a kid?" And they have been so supportive, and it has been so beautiful through this whole process that I am so blessed, so blessed to have this fostering journey be part of our lives and just to see how they have grown. And they, they did. We'd had the girls for two weeks. So you got to imagine the boys at this time were eight and 10. These girls were two and three. And you're thinking, how does that work? They loved them. They loved them from day one. And they would ask us, can we please adopt them? Can we please adopt them? I'm like, honey, we just got to see what happens. We just got to see what's part of our plan. And they were so supportive and 
It was a God thing. It was absolutely a God thing. So, so we adopted the girls, and we were like, okay, so we need to give our, our family time to bond and let the girls know that they're here forever, that they're not going anywhere. So we closed our home. Closed our home for 30 days. <laughs> so, so after 30 days, all my foster friends are like, oh, this is happening, this is happening. I'm like, there's that little tug again, that little tug. And I'm like, Josh, and he's like, let's do it. <laughs> and so we opened back up, and it took so long for us to open back up. But then um, we got a five-day-old, a five-day-old. So here is, how old was that? 34, 35-year-old me. So I've got four kids now. And then they drop a five-day-old baby off at my house. And I don't know what I'm doing, y'all. I have no idea. I don't know how to change diapers. I don't know what to feed these children. And they're just like, bye. And so I'm calling all my people like, please help me. Please help me. I don't know what to do. And he was precious, y'all. He was so precious. And he was getting my husband's like, he's going to cry all the time. He did not. He, he still doesn't sleep through the night. He's seven months old now. But he was amazing. And, um, and it just started the journey all over again. And, you know, this time, you know, we just had to tell our hearts we have to go where God takes us and where God takes this, this little baby is we are going to be along for this ride. Whether he stays with us, whether he goes back with mama, whether he goes with someone else, we are going to love this baby like our own and then be along for the ride and not try to, to do what our hearts want, but do what God wants. And so that is where we are right now. So we have little baby, love him to pieces. Like I didn't, I had no idea how much love these kids can bring into your life. I, I take him to daycare and I'm there for 20 minutes. I'm the only mom who does this. And I'm, I'm in the car seat talking to him and I'm making sure he's cool in his little, his little play area that he's in. I'm like, oh, well now he's wet. Let me change him real quick before I leave. So I'm literally there for 20 <laughs> minutes with this child and he is so spoiled. He is so spoiled. But our family, and it's crazy. It is crazy. I will tell you when we got those two girls, I, had a, I did have an SUV, but it only set five people. So in this SUV, there was room for my husband, our two boys, and our two girls. But where did I fit into this? <laughs> Y'all, I sat in the trunk. I sat in the trunk. And when we came to church, I would make my husband park in the back parking lot so no one would see me climb out of our car in my heels out of the trunk of the, of the, of the SUV. Now it wasn't like a trunk, you know, but it did lift up. It did have a button and it lifted up and I could crawl my way out of it, but we did it. We did it. And I was like, how are we going to financially take care of all these kids? God has provided, you know, we, we, there's so many things provided to us. And the thing that I've gotten along this journey to is our village. So we started out my fa I'm from Illinois. So I have zero family here. My husband's family is an hour away and we knew no one who fostered, no one, no one. I had never met anyone who'd fostered, adopted, nothing. So we didn't really have any support, but those babies getting taken away the first day, that was a God thing because that family is our family now. Like we are so close with them. That one-year-old bio sister that my girls had, they adopted her and we do everything together. We just bought a house a mile down the road from them. Like it is such a beautiful journey that we have went through now. Can I paint it all rainbows and butterflies? No, absolutely not. There was meltdowns and oh, our children, these children have been through so much. Um, the oldest would actually bring home chicken nuggets from school in her backpack to feed her siblings because 
And she still did it with us because that's what she was accustomed to. The stories that they told me of the things that they have went through has just broken my heart. Um, I just remember looking back in that back seat at those babies, and they were so scared. And it's hard to imagine those times because it's so good right now, but they have been through so, so much. But now I pick them up from school, and they sing Bible songs in <laughs> the back great. seat. You know, and just to see that transformation and let them, let let me see God through them and introduce that relationship to them and know that they are never going to be alone again. We will be there, but God will always be there too. And that's what these foster kids need. Uh, they, they need homes. We're in bad shape right now with foster homes, but y'all, they need Christian foster homes. Yeah. When things happen in my life, God is who I go to. Can you imagine being a child and not knowing God? You don't have family. You don't have anything, and you don't have God. If, if we don't introduce that to these children, that's what they need. Yeah. That's, what, that's what they need. Yes, they do need a loving home too, but they need to know that they are not alone. And we've been able to give that to the children that have come through our house. And as we start to move, and I look at this that bedroom, Oh, that bedroom, how many kids that have been there? And I think it's eight or 10 or how many have slept in that room? Like it's, it's big stuff. And you know, when I look back at 30 year old me and I'm like, I had a good life. I had a little sports car. It was me and Allie in my little sports car, but nothing compares to what I have now. Nothing. So it's, it's been a good journey. And, but now I get to the place where, you know, my husband and I were, so we have a full car. <laughs> like they call us to take more kids. And I'm like, y'all can't literally fit anymore. And I don't have a trunk anymore because I have a third row. So there is nowhere, there is nowhere for any of us to go. So I'm like, so what do we do now? Um, and that's just opened another chapter in our lives. We have um, our church, and I cannot say enough about our church. They have let me start a foster and adopt support team within our church. So not only are we loving on our foster families and adopt families, we are raising awareness within our church. We are working with the call in Project Zero, and we're, we're working those events to raise awareness in our communities. And that has been a beautiful thing. And just to be able to have that village, that is so, so important for all of us, you know, for all of us. Our church is so important. Those relationships are so important. So that's been an amazing thing. I've been able to work with the call um, to be on the board with them, to make huge steps with them. I've been meeting with DCFS as to how can we help? How can I help? Um, What can we do to make this process easier for you guys and for foster families and for these children? Because that's what it's about. It's about the kids. And you guys, if if the church doesn't do it, who is going to do it? If we can't come together as a church and save these kids, who is going to do it? And if it's not right now, when is it going to be? We can't wait, you know? So there are 715 children in our county. So in, in Pulaski County, there's 715 children in foster care. There is 216 open homes right now. 216. That's more than three children per home. I only have one right now, so I'm not doing my part. Somebody's got five. Yeah, that's that's too much. That's too much. But if you think about this, so think about this. So 516 children in in Pulaski County right now. That number, there are 500 churches in Pulaski County right now. That's a God thing. Yeah, that's a God thing. Because if one family from each of those churches opened up, not only would we look at a, a 12 year old child that comes into care and say, where can we put him? No, we can look at three homes and say, these are good fits for that kid. What is the best? 
that brings tears to my eyes because that's what these kids deserve. Y'all, these are not, they're not aliens. They're yeah. not puppies. These are children. If you have bio children, look at your bio child. So if I take one of ours, say Ashton, who's 10, what would he be like if he was taken out of his situation? Even if it's a bad situation, that is what they know. That is what they love. Like they want to be back in that situation. So they're ripped out of that. They go to a DCFS office with a stranger that they do not know. And they sit in that office next to that lady for eight, 10 hours as she calls every home in the, in the state because we don't have enough homes here. I mean, every home in the state just to find a bed for him. And he gets to hear over and over and over again, no, I'm sorry, I can't take that child. No, I'm sorry, I can't take that child. Think about how that would be. You know, and and, and bio children, and that brings up another thing. Like when we started this, we were scared that I don't want our bio kids to think that these children are more important or for me as a parent, like, what if, what if these children come in and teach our bio kids something that, you know, we don't know their backgrounds. We don't know what they're accustomed to. We don't know the words that are going to come out of their mouths. That would, that was scary for us. Um, and for our family, what we decided is we are going to do children younger than our bio, our family. And that worked for us. I know people that do, you know, children that are older, whatever works for your family, but have those conversations with your bio kids, have those conversations with your friends and your family, because you can you can make it work for your family. And it, it has been a blessing for us. Not only were we worried about ours, now we are absolutely proud of how they've adjusted and the things that they have learned and how they have grown from this experience. And then, you know, if you're a you know, a newly married couple, you know, like we were, like, should we have our own? Should we not? You know, I look at people look at us all the time like, oh my gosh, your family's amazing. Like y'all had all these kids. And I'm like <laughs> Well, no, not really. But there is never one moment that I look back and say, I wish I had my own kids. You know, there's never in, in you know, you hear people say, you know, you don't know what kind of um, background they're going to have as far as issues like medically or psychologically and things like that. You know, we don't know what kind of our bio kids are going to have. Our bio kids have not been perfect either. So, so that. I don't know. That's something that never, it never affected us whatsoever. Um, I've never looked back and said, I wish I had my own. Now, I would like to have a little redheaded baby. I've said that since I was little, but my sister, who is dark hair and dark eyes, has the cutest little redheaded baby that I get to claim all the time. So, you know, <laughs> it, it works. It's totally fine. Um, and we've just, we've just started this new chapter now. And I want, I just want people to see us. And, you know, we have this beautiful story, but along the way, I wouldn't have told you it was beautiful. I would have said, this is hard. DCFS is a hot mess. But you know what, guys? It's our government raising our kids right now, and that is not how it's supposed to be. It's right. not. You know, they're supposed to be with the mom and dad. So no matter what we do in this situation, it's going to be difficult. But the church is the church is the ones that need to take care of our children. That is what God has called us to do. And if we can't do it, then who else can do it? So I feel I feel very strongly about that. And you know, I'm proud of our church. And I told, I, I've been meeting with people, and I love to meet with people, and I love to hear their stories and just see them in person. And um, I met with some people the other day, and after I said I was like, oh, my gosh, but I was like, I freaking love my church. Like, they are amazing. They are amazing. They are so supportive, and it, 
I, I just, this feeling that I have that our church is part of our village, I couldn't do it without it. I really couldn't. So I am, I am overly thankful for that. And I'm just thankful that God is, that God has allowed us to do this journey and it, and it continues. It continues. So now we, we, I don't even know what hap, how it happens, but we have this huge house now that has six bedrooms. <laughs> So I think, I think part of my, I think my husband is always on edge because he's like, because I tell him, I'm like, you know, and this, this is where I was going with 30 year old me. I was like, whenever this happened and I had this little tug on my heart, I had what I call come to Jesus meeting. And I said, I do not want to get to the end of my life and look at my savior and say, I sold a lot of prom dresses, Mm. you know? I just didn't want, I didn't want to be that person. You know, I wanted my life to make a difference and it's not always beautiful. And these kids, you know, sometimes they go back to places that we don't understand and we don't think it's the best and we think we could give them more, but their family is where they're meant to be. And whether you adopt or whether you foster, you know, a lot of people say it's, I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if I could love on them and then give them back, but that's what they need. They need attachment. They need to love. They need to feel that because they probably never have before. And yes, it might break your heart when they leave, but their heart is breaking right now. They didn't sign up for this. They don't want it. Just like you might be scared. They're way more scared than you are. Promise you. I've never seen anything like I've seen the scared looks on their faces that first day. And it's every single one of them. And you can say it's hard for a teenager, but y'all, it's hard for a 10-year-old. It's hard for a five-year-old. It's hard for an infant. You know, the crazy thing is, so Gallia was two, and she was always fun-loving, and, and, and nothing affected her. And I was mama from day one, and it was she was, oh, that child, she she's a league of her own. But, you know... The other day she said something about a dream she had, and it was about her situation. It come, it still comes out, you know, even if they're babies and you think, you know, they'll get over it stuff, it's still trauma. Um, but they need people to love on them, and, and, and they deserve it. They absolutely 100% deserve it. So the attachment thing, they you, you need to be attached. And you can do it. You can do it. And you can build relationships with the bio family. So when they go back, one of the most beautiful stories – is a friend of mine, Jessica. She had two babies at birth. They went back to mom. Then they came back into care. And she was mad. Jessica was mad. She was like, how did this mom get back here? Blah, blah, blah. And I, I was mad with her. But the mama, she got it together again. She did. And, I, and then they went back to her. And they were at May, my girl's bio sister. They were at her birthday party. And you should have seen that mom. And you should have seen those girls. And I was like, that is what it's about. That is what it's about. And that heartache and that mad and that hurt, it all goes away because it'll only be temporary. But the things that you do in these kids' lives, that is permanent. You introducing God into their lives, that is permanent. They are with that. That will stay with them forever. And we will see them again. That's right. After this life is over, we will spend eternity with them. So, yeah, they go back to their bio family for a little bit, and it hurts. But it is okay because we've instilled within the things that they need to continue after this life. And we will see them again. That's right. And people look at me and they're like, oh, you're a Wonder Woman. You can do all this. No, y'all, no. No, I have a business that I try to balance. And I have, you know, the kids. And I, there's times I'm like, am I giving them enough time? I'm tired at night. I should be reading them a bedtime story. And I'm not. I'm just going to lay on the couch with y'all for a little bit. And I, this is the first time my fingernails have been painted in like six months. <laughs> 
And I sometimes I don't take care of myself and I don't sleep enough. I really don't. And I cry like all the time for no reason whatsoever <laughs> because I'm tired and it makes me emotional. Um, I'm not superwoman. And I, I there is I am a, a regular person. I am a regular person. There is nothing in me that is in, any different than anyone else. So I really encourage you, if you feel that tug and you feel like, I want to do that, but this isn't the right time. There will never be a right time. That's right. You will never have enough finances to do everything that you want to do. You will never have enough time to do everything that you want to do. But that, yes, is the difference in a child's life, not just here on earth, but after. And I, and I love what the call says. The call says not everyone is called to foster, but everyone is called to do something. So pray over that those children. You know, whatever season it is in your life, you know, donate if you can. Donate clothing if you can. Pray. Help help a foster family, you know, because, y'all, we're tired. <laughs> we're so mm. tired. If we could have a, a, a date night, that would be amazing. Um, but, but if you can do anything, if you can tell your neighbor about the foster, you know, care crisis we have right now, just do something. Because a little bit goes a long way, and we need all the prayers we can get. Oh 